Open your Bibles with me this morning to the 105th Psalm, a beautiful passage of Scripture. The entire chapter is wonderful, but we're going to focus on the first four verses of Psalm 105. It will be on the screen, but I'm going to be uh, inviting you to look at particular uh, themes and words from the passage, and so you may want your Bible or a Bible open uh, in front of you. Psalm 105, verses 1 through 4. If you're able, would you stand and come to attention as God's Word comes among us. O give thanks to the Lord, call on His name, make known His deeds among the peoples, sing to Him, sing praises to Him, tell of all His wonderful works, glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. I want to read that last Verse again, seek the Lord and His strength, seek His presence continually. May God bless the reading and hearing of His Word. You may be seated. A lady who was terminally ill confided in her loved ones the following about her spiritual journey during her illness. She said, I'm praying less, but I'm talking to God all the time. I want you to think about that, and I want to ask you a a few questions about that. And the first question would be, is that possible, to pray less, but to be talking to God all the time? Not only is it possible, but if it is possible, how is it possible to be praying less and yet talking to God all of the time? Well, see, I think it is possible because I think what she meant was she was having fewer of those meetings with God that are structured a certain time, a certain place, a bowing of the head, an intentional beginning and ending to the prayer. And I believe there is a place for structured prayer. I've, I've preached that to you over the years, and I try to practice it, and I believe there, there are blessings in the discipline of meeting time and place and structured times of prayer. But I get what she's saying, what she was talking about when she said that she was having less structured prayer time but talking to God all the time. I believe that she was talking about something like what is being addressed in the 105th Psalm about seeking the presence of the Lord continually. And sort of as a, as a context for all this, I, I want to just give you a very quick summary of some of these rich commands and rich uh, instructions that are given to us just in the first few verses and I, I put them on the screen here. The first is to give thanks, verse 1. The second is to recite and testify. That's mentioned twice at the end of verse 1 and at the end of verse 2. The third is to enjoy the Lord. The fourth is to seek the Lord. And then the fifth is to seek the Lord, not only to seek the Lord, but to seek the Lord continually. And that's, that's just some of what the uh, psalmist says. Now, I want to just track back through those and, and comment briefly on each. First of all, give thanks. Verse 1, oh, give thanks to the Lord, call on His name. Uh, Thanksgiving is a discipline. The capacity to give thanks is a spiritual discipline. That is to say, it's a command. All through Scripture, we're commanded to give thanks, and if it's a command, that means that it's not something we wait to do when we feel like doing it. You know, I hear people say, well, I don't feel very thankful. Well... Thanksgiving is not an emotion. Thanksgiving is a command. And when we obey 
God's command, sometimes the feeling comes afterwards. When we are obediently thankful, the emotion of gratitude usually follows that. The emotion of gratitude does not precede it. The emotion of gratitude follows the obedient act of giving thanks. Secondly, recite and testify. Look at the end of verse 1. Make known his deeds among the peoples. At the end of verse 2, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Tell of all his wonderful works. You see, we're supposed to be rehearsing and repeating God's mighty works and sharing those with others. I think the, the message translates this, tell everyone you meet that what God has done. See, when we talk about what God is doing in our lives, it not only blesses others, it actually helps us. Because when we are reciting and rehearsing what God is doing in our lives, that reminds us that if God worked in that situation, then maybe God's power is possible in this new situation that I'm facing today. So it's not just for others, but it's for us that we gain a perspective that God's mighty acts might also work, recite and testify. The third one is to enjoy the Lord. Verse 3 says, glory in His holy name, let the hearts of those seek the Lord rejoice. Glorying in the Lord means to revel in the Lord. It means to luxuriate in the Lord. It means to bask in the glory of the Lord. It means to take pride in in the glory of the Lord. Uh, the great uh, theologian Jürgen Moltmann, uh, Moltmann says that glorying in the Lord is enjoying God for God's sake. Now hang on to that. It is to enjoy God for God's sake. It is to enjoy God for who God is. Not for what God does, not for his mighty acts, but we learn to enjoy God for who he is, his very being. Uh, if you're a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle, you've probably had this experience where you've been away on a business trip and you've missed the children or grandchildren or nieces or nephews or whoever, and so you bring small gifts home to the children. And uh, when they finally see you, you've been away, they run to the door squealing and they wrap their precious little arms around you and kiss you and say, I love you, I miss you, and you say, oh, by the way, here's a present, and they're so excited. But the next time you're away on a business trip, you come back, the kids skip the squeal and the hug around the neck, and I love you and I miss you, and the first thing out of their mouth is, what did you bring me? That's never happened to you? Of course it has. They stop focusing on the relationship and they start focusing on the gift. And don't we do that with God all the time? But to enjoy the Lord is to enjoy God for God's sake, for His very being. That's a rich experience. And then all of that is a buildup for the last two, uh, the fourth and the fifth. Seek the Lord and seek the Lord continually. And those really are where we're going to spend the balance of our time this morning uh, on what it means to seek the Lord and what it means to seek the Lord continually. God calls us to relationship. He calls us to a relationship with Himself through His Son, Jesus Christ. That is so fundamental. 
I think sometimes I shouldn't have to say it, but I realize that a lot of people think that religion and church is all about joining uh, an institution or coming to a building, but it's first of all a living relationship. God is not an it. God is a person. God is personal and invites us to personal relationship. I remember the day that finally clicked in my brain. I was a, a late childhood, early youth. It finally clicked in my brain that God was calling me to personal relationship. That's profound. And that's beautiful. To seek the Lord. To seek the Lord continually. To be in a heart relationship with God. Not a head relationship, a heart relationship with God. Everybody here knows Mr. Potato Head, right? Good old Mr. Potato Head. Uh, somebody said uh, a few years ago uh, that most followers of Jesus are Mr. Pot- Mr. Potato Head Christians. We're all head and no heart. We're all head and no body. We don't live the gospel out through our body, through the body of Christ the church. We don't have a heart. We don't, we don't have the focus on a relationship with God. We've intellectualized our faith. We've reduced our walk with God to a set of beliefs, a set of doctrines. And that's shallow, and it's empty, and it doesn't really bring any joy or fulfillment or power to our lives. It doesn't bring any transformation. When we're Mr. Potato Head followers of Jesus, and all head, no heart, no body. The key here is the verb. Three times in two verses, verses 3 and 4, the word seek is used. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. Seek, seek, seek. It's about seeking that relationship with God, being hungry for God. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I can tell you from my own life that when I'm hungry for God and I seek Him, God not only fills me, but He also increases my capacity and He increases my appetite. That seeking leads to seeking. That the more you seek God, the more you have the desire to seek God. And it's this wonderful cycle that happens that the more you seek God, the more you'll want to seek Him. But I can also testify to you that it works the other way. That when I start filling my life with cotton candy and junk food spiritually, that dulls my appetite. And I'm not hungry for God like I used to be hungry for God when I'm in that that negative cycle. So seeking leads to seeking leads to seeking, and not seeking God leads to not seeking God leads to not seeking God. There's a reason that the Scripture talks so much about having a hunger for God, having a heart for God, and in this Scripture about seeking God and seeking His presence continually. I want to teach you a prayer this morning. And it's a prayer that was written approximately a thousand years ago by Anselm. Uh, one of the church fathers, Anselm of Canterbury. Uh, and, and, and at first, you might get tangled up in the language, 
But, but I want to read it in a way that will help us understand what a beautiful prayer it is. It's a prayer of seeking. Teach us to seek you, God, and reveal yourself to us as we seek. Let us seek you in desiring you. Let us desire you in seeking you. Let us find you in loving you. And let us love you in finding you. Now those are important words, and I don't want you to sit with it a moment. I want you to be uncomfortably silent and just look at the screen and meditate and reflect on that prayer until you kind of get it. Because it's not fair to just splash this at you suddenly and not give you a chance to really think and meditate and reflect on it. So I'm going to give you a second. Now, I want us to pray it aloud together. Pray with me. Teach us to seek you and reveal yourself to us as we seek. Let us seek you in desiring you. Let us desire you in seeking you. Let us find you in loving you. Let us love you in finding you. Seeking God. And you know, there is this beautiful translation of verse 4 about seeking the Lord and His strength, seeking His presence continually in the message. Uh, and some of you have that and, and, and read it regularly. Keep your eyes open for God. Watch for His works. Be alert for signs of His presence. I was glad that Brooke mentioned in the children's time the thing we do in vacation Bible camp God sightings. The children are encouraged all day long to look for God sightings. Places and, and times in their life when they, when they spot God working in their world and in their lives. But think about that verse, that translation of that fourth verse. Keep your eyes open for God. Watch for His works. Be alert for signs of His presence. What would happen this week if all of us prayed this prayer at the beginning of each day? God I'm going to keep my eyes open for you to watch for your works, to be alert to the signs of your presence. What if we prayed that every morning before we face the day? What different things would we see? And how would we see the same things differently? And what if in addition to that, we prayed this prayer at the end of each day? God, where have I seen you at work today? God, where have you been working in my world? Where were you working in my life when I was so busy I didn't even notice? What if we wrapped each day by beginning and ending with that sense of God's presence, that sense of God's nearness? This is a little bit what the Celtic spirituality teaches. You know, every St. Patrick's Day on March 17th, I'm always tempted to, to spend some time talking about how we've secularized St. Patrick's Day, but St. St. Patrick was a great evangelist and missionary. He evangelized Ireland. And he, he brought with him, and the, Celt, the Celtics developed this Celtic spirituality. And, and here's how this ties in. The Celtic way of spirituality teaches that every day we rise to a world awash in God. Every morning we wake up to a world that is awash in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that God is active and working 
in that world that the world is awash in His presence, His real presence, and we are stepping into that world every day we live. And the Celts learn to pray, Christ be beside us, Christ be above us, Christ be before us, Christ be behind us, and Christ be within us. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. And there's, there's one other phrase that we've not talked about yet in verse 4. Seek the Lord and His strength. You know why we have to seek the Lord's strength? Because we're weak. We're broken. We're flawed. We fail. We struggle. We hurt. We ache. We break. And I want you to know this morning, whatever you're going through, that weakness, that brokenness, that pain, that something, that God may be using that very thing as an opening, creating a vacuum, creating a place in your life for you to seek God's presence. Seek the Lord and His strength. That, that may be the very place that God's creating the vacuum where the Spirit can rush in and do a work. And by the way, it occurred to me this week as I was preparing this sermon, Jesus knew the Psalms. Jesus prayed this psalm. Jesus read this psalm. Jesus knew the Psalms. He could spout a psalm in the middle of his greatest agony on the cross. Jesus knew this psalm. And do you know that if you read the Gospels, the one phrase that appears over and over again, Jesus says, Don't be afraid. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Because Jesus had read this psalm and many psalms like it. We just need to get to know Jesus better. We need to spend time with Jesus. Personal relationship. Personal friend. Get to know Jesus as we face our weaknesses to seek the Lord and His strength. A church member years ago told me about a surgery that he'd had some years before. The surgery lasted over 10 hours. Before the surgery, um, a nurse came to meet with him. And she said, I'm going to be your nurse post-op. After surgery, I'm going to be sitting with you. She said, I want to warn you, the surgery could last 10 to 12 hours. When you begin to come around, you're going to be very weak, you won't be able to see, you won't be able to talk, you won't be able to walk. But she says you'll be able to hear and you'll be able to feel. She said, so I want you to, to take my hand and I want you to hold my hand. And the man said, well, okay, I will, but, but what are you doing? And she said, well, after surgery, you'll be able to hear my voice and you'll be able to feel my hand. And right now, before the crisis, I want you to get used to the feel of my hand and the sound of my voice so you can respond to my care. I want you to get used to the feel of my hand and the sound of my voice so you can respond to my care. 
Let's pray. Open our hearts, God, to all of the wonder that is you and lead us into deeper seeking and deeper personal walks with you. Through Christ I pray, amen.